Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's really hard for me because I've shoved my emotions so far down and just so, so away that I just don't want to tackle them. I don't want to just deal with them. And I just want to, you know, I feel like I need to be strong when I'm around other people, not show emotion. And I don't know why I associate being strong and then showing emotion with being weak, which I, it's not. It's just, I feel like, oh, I, I'm just be more stoic than just anything. I'm not sure. What you're about to hear are two unscripted sessions with a grief therapist and a psychic medium. Neither Claire nor Fleur had any contact with the participants before their sessions. They were screened by me, Elizabeth, one of the producers of the podcast, in order to preserve the integrity of a psychic reading. Absolutely no information was given to Fleur before their psychic session. Just a quick note about the audio in this episode. Because of the coronavirus and having to record from home, we are experiencing a few technical difficulties. This is Moving Beyond the Podcast. My name is Fleur. I've been working as a psychic medium for over 10 years. I have sat in front of 15,000 people to give them readings. I connect people here in the physical world to something they can't see, to their loved ones on the other side. And that, to some people, is a really spooky, crazy experience, but to me, it's my everyday life. And I find that many people come to see me for a variety of reasons, either curiosity, wanting to see if it's real, or the deeper layers of grief, closure, healing, a way forward. A question that plagues people over and over again after a loss is, is my loved one really gone? I think mediumship can be an incredibly powerful tool towards healing, but it certainly is not the only one. I often send my clients to grief therapists afterwards, but I was thrilled a few years ago when I started hearing from my clients that doctors and psychiatrists and therapists were referring me. That was crazy to me. I always thought psychic mediumship was super taboo and super weird, and how could a doctor possibly recommend something so out there? But I was thrilled that people started to see that it's a real healing modality. One of these people was Claire Bidwell-Smith, a grief therapist, and she is also the author of three books on grief. (laughs) 
I lost both of my parents by the time I was 25 years old. And it was a really deep and humbling experience. And it's what propelled me into this field. Whenever I tell people what I do, they usually take a step back and shake their heads. I think they imagine that it's really depressing and heavy. But it's not like that at all. Yes, it can be sad. It really can. But mostly it's beautiful and uplifting. And I find myself reminded every day about what makes humanity so special. We work in very different ways. She is a grief therapist, I'm a medium. But we see people at the same point of life. We find them in moments where they are at deep loss, grieving, not able to move forward, have questions that they can't seem to move past. Where are they now? Can they see us? Can we still communicate with them? The first time a client told me that they'd been to see a psychic medium, I was a little baffled about how to respond. I'd never seen one myself, and I felt really skeptical about the idea. I saw over a dozen psychic mediums in that time period, and no matter how good the medium was, I still found myself wondering if it was real. After a while, though, I stopped caring if it was real, and I finally decided that what was more important was how it made people feel. A good session with a psychic medium can turn things around for someone who is lost in their grief. I've seen it time and time again. I could have a client who was completely stuck, like doing all the right things, allowing themselves to grieve, working through their emotions, reviewing their relationship with the person they lost, going to grief groups, making amends, you name it. But still, they'd be stuck about something that happened with the death or some unresolved aspect of their relationship. And after a good mediumship reading, they would come away with a completely new understanding. They'd come away with a feeling of connection to their loved one and often a bit of closure. We wanted to share that experience with you, give you the opportunity to be a fly on the wall in a grief therapy session where someone is able to express and explore how their grief has shaped their current life. And then we transport you to a mediumship reading, a moment where you get to listen in on what a reading is and does, and some of the answers that people can receive and do receive. We hope that some of the information that arises can help you too. No matter where you are in your stage of grief or loss or curiosity about the things we can't always see. I'm really looking forward to meeting with Billy today. I know that his wife arranged this session, so it should be interesting. Hi, my name's Billy. I live in Southern California. Um, I'm trying to come to grips with the passing of my father and my sister. So I'm hoping that this will bring more clarity to my emotions um, of how I felt surrounding when they passed and just still years later. And then also I would love to just be able to speak with them and, and get some clarity on, on how they're doing. Hi, I'm Claire. How are you feeling about this? You okay? Yeah, so I'm Billy. Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, I just kind of, my wife told me maybe a week ago, oh, by the way, I signed you up like a month or so ago for this podcast, and I didn't think that 
I get a response. I didn't didn't tell you, but I got a response, and they're probably going to contact you. And I was like, oh, okay, sounds good. So, um, yeah. Well, that's good. Basically, I had a great relationship with my dad growing up my whole life. He was a police officer. He worked graveyard shift, but he always like would just basically not sleep to go to sporting events that I would have and everything else. Um, when I was 14, he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, and it had was pretty severe. It had progressed already. He thought he threw his back out. He went to the doctor and he found out that it was just basically his entire um, back was just cancer. Oh. It was um, non-curable and non-treatable. Do you have brothers or sisters? I do have brothers or sisters. My oldest brother was kind of estranged from the family at that time. My sister, she was living with her boyfriend at the time, but she um, she herself ha- had total kidney loss when she was, or total kidney failure when she was 16. So um, she was always in and out of the hospitals. Um, That's so much for your family to be going through all at once. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my other brother, he was in jail at the time. So um, you were largely on your own. I was 100% on my own for two years. Yeah. Um, as far as just Christmases, everything, like I would just, I would go get a tree. I would decorate the house and it would be just for me. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 22, my dad passed away mm-hmm. and it was somewhat sudden. It was obviously not because we knew we had this and we knew it could happen, but um, still it was kind of a, obviously a shock. Were you there with him? Where were you? No, that's another, I was, they were in Huntington Beach. I was living about an hour away. So it was, I was on my way to work. I got a call from my mom and I knew right away she would never call at that time kind of thing in the morning and I knew right away. And then um, kind of just, I didn't, I donn't really kind of confront things, I guess. I don't Mm -hmm. really want to deal with it or talk about it or whatever. So um, yeah, I ended up like, I think, playing a softball game that night and just kind of just doing my own thing kind of thing. He died on actually like the same, I guess, kind of anniversary of me and my girlfriend, like when we started dating, he died Mm -hmm. on that day. So then a year after he died, I proposed to her on that day. And then a year later we got married on that day. Well, so sweet. One would think, um, (laughs) come to find (laughs) out that um, my, my brothers and sister did not like that idea. And, were really kind of apparently upset at me for years, um, thinking that I was trying to make that day all about me and all about, you know, what I wanted and everything. And I'm the youngest. And so um, I'm always referred to as like the golden child kind of thing, because um, so my mom always thought like, oh, Billy, Billy doesn't do anything wrong. You guys were always just giving me so much hassle. Mm-hmm. And I just never got caught. So um, my brothers and sister um, definitely kind of they had a lot of animosity towards me and stuff. And Let's see here. A few years ago, my How sister passed away. I'm How 37. I'll be um I'll be 38 this month. And you're still married. I'm still married. Do you guys have kids? We have a daughter. She is three. Okay. Um, and your mom's still alive. My mom's still alive. She's kind of a really strong, kind of independent woman, I guess. So she just kind of was like, I'm doing my thing and it's fine. And we can only kind of check in on her and that's it kind of thing, you know. And then take me back to your sister. So my sister, she was always kind of in and out of the hospital, obviously with her kidney failure. Um, When she was 16, she had total kidney failure when she was 17. And so I got a call that like, we think this is going to be it for her. You need to come see her. And the party was the next day. And I kind of was like, 
I think she'll be fine. And I still have a lot to do for this party. I never went to see her. And then she ended up passing away. And, and was it and unexpected? So I never had to like, she had gone into the hospital a week before she, um, which she, again, she always went into the hospital and she ended up dying and I ended up getting to the hospital and she was already gone. It was just really hard that I, I had prioritized this stupid party for my mother-in-law over kind of seeing her at the end. And um, that one really still like kind of haunts me to this day as far as like... And so that was what, four years ago? It was four years ago, yeah. And how is it like, how is it all settled for you? How often do you think about your dad and your sister? And My sister, I think about... I wouldn't say daily, but I think about her often. My dad is definitely a, a daily thought on my mind as far as just how much I love him, how much I miss him, and just how I wish she was just able to like just talk to him or see him or just call him or have him meet his granddaughter and have him play with his granddaughter and just everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's so hard. How do you feel like it affects your day-to-day -day life or your marriage or your, your own fatherhood? How do you feel like these feelings? Um, it definitely affects my marriage. I'm not, um, I've kind of emotionally like kind of distanced myself from everything in life. And so I'm definitely not as emotionally um, there for my wife as I should be. Her dad just passed away actually. Her dad passed away in January. Okay. Of cancer. Even as far as like going through this process in her grief, like she's told me that like, I don't know how much emotion I'm supposed to show around you because when your dad died, you show no emotion. It's hard for me to show emotion. It's hard for me to be compassionate in the moment, I guess. It's hard. It's, it's really hard for me because I've shoved my emotions so far down and just so, so away that I just don't want to tackle them. I don't want to just deal with them. And I just want to, you know, you know, it sounds like you're very much just really still grieving. So when we're grieving, grieving is so individual and I can see how, you know, your siblings were grieving one way over your dad. You had your own ways of doing it. it there's always clashes with that, right? Like we always have ways of expressing our grief or not expressing it or talking about it. And when we're doing that within a family system, everyone's doing different stuff. And sometimes we judge each other or we get mad mm -hmm. at each other. Um, I see it time and time again. It's pretty normal, although it's uncomfortable. But it sounds like, you know, a lot of the grief that you're feeling over your dad and your sister is is getting in the way of, of just like daily happiness, of a healthy relationship with your wife. What would you like your life to be like? If you could pick, if you could wake up tomorrow and your life was really great and you were feeling good, what would, what would be different? I would like to be happy. <laughs> I would like to... I, I just, I, I feel like I'm not emotionally there. I feel like I, and I worry that that will um, trickle down to my daughter. And I, and I just, I want to, I, I just want to be able to have, to be able to show the compassion that I feel like my wife and my family deserve. Mm. I say this all the time, but I think that that compassion has to start with ourselves. I know that sounds so trite and it's like some stuff you'd hear on Oprah, but it really, it's really true. 
But really, I think that you could let go of that piece if you were to kind of forgive yourself in some ways for not being perfect. Like none of us go through these things in the perfect way. It's so hard. The emotions that come up, the fear, the sadness of losing family members, we never behave at our best, you know, like if in retrospect, when we look back, we're like, oh, wow, I really could have showed up here or there. I could have done this, but there's no way to know that in the moment, you know? And so then we end yeah. up beating ourselves up and holding on to this weird anger or guilt that just plagues us. Do you think if your dad, if you could talk to your dad right now and he would look back at, at how you, how you were and, and your relationship, how would he feel about how, about you and how you're doing and the ways that you've conducted yourself through all this? Well, he would be, I think he'd be proud of me for a lot of things. Um, I've made decisions that I'm not, not happy with. I made decisions I regret. I think that he'd be disappointed in me and some of some of my decisions. I don't feel like I'm, I guess, the man I want to be or just, yeah, I, I just, I feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm definitely still searching and I don't know what I'm searching for. What do you think you can do in terms of your wife and how you can kind of make some changes there? I know it gets hard and when you guys get um, stuck in a certain place to like, Make yeah, we're, I mean, we've been going through a lot of, lot of, over the last um, six months or so, um, we almost got divorced. Mm -hmm. So we're working right now, we're just working to try to mend our relationship, start a new relationship, just anything. And um, it's definitely gotten better over the last uh, month or so, um, two months. Do you feel like she understands your grief? I don't. With her dad dying recently, I feel like she definitely understands some of it now. It's harder. I mean, she, she's older, um, just things as far as just being able to herself deal with it. Um, but I, I don't know if I've ever let her understand it. And that's, that's the, that's one of the problems is I just don't want, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to do anything. And then eventually it just, I'll have these moments where it would just overflow and it's just too much. And then it, and then it's right back to, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know, relationships are tricky. And when we're together for a long time and when we start in young adulthood and move into regular adulthood, we change a lot during that time. You know, so the person that you were when you guys met and the person she was when you met are very different and they've been mm -hmm. affected by all these things that have happened. So I think you're right to start, talk about like a new relationship, getting to know each other in new ways and still finding that kind of independence from each other, even inwardly is important. Mm -hmm. um, but I think um, in order to let go of some of that anger or resentment or whatever you're both feeling, just trying to get to know each other in a new way. And that means sharing your experiences and trying to do it without judgment. Mm -hmm. Easier said than done, right? Yeah. So have you ever seen a psychic medium? I haven't. And what I've always you... kind of thought they were a little, <laughs> Yeah. So what are you, are you hoping for anything? Are you expecting anything? Um, I'm not expecting anything from a psychic <laughs> medium. I am hoping to be surprised. I'm hoping to, um, I'm hoping that they will help me just 
grow that they will help me um just kind of i don't know if it's just put things in front of my face that maybe i haven't seen or maybe i, I don't know i'm not sure mm -hmm. if you had the opportunity to talk with your dad or your sister and say anything to them what is it that you want to say to them for my dad i would just i would want to I want to say I love him, but I, I would just want to, I just want to sit next to him for a couple hours and just, I don't know, maybe watch like a baseball game or something. That's what I miss. Uh, my sister, I would, yeah, I would just want to say I love her and I just, I, I would just want to apologize for being such a crappy brother for a lot of years. I think that we can, you know, say these things. And I think if we don't find ways to say them, then they start to eat at us, you know? I can see that there's a lot of emotion around those feelings, just thinking about what it would be like to talk to them or sit next to them. And that's living inside of you every day, you know? You're, you're walking around with that to work, home, parenting, spousal relationship, like those things are living inside of you. So finding ways to find outlets for them is really important. Those things are just living in there. But I also want to remind you that like, we can do both, you know, you don't have to pick one or the other. You don't have to pick just being happy or, you know, just being in your grief. You can have both. You can always be grieving your dad and your sister. Those, those losses are never going to go anywhere. You're going to go through your whole life, like wishing they were still here and wishing you could have had more time with them. But you can also be happy, you know, and have good relationships and love being a dad and, you know, love your life. Um, so you can hold both of those things together. So just trying to kind of find space for them is important. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you talking with me today, Billy. I know, I just, I know how hard these things are. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Billy. My biggest takeaway from Billy is that he has been really letting his grief get in the way of his relationships. I'm really hoping that he has some shifts and breakthroughs with Floor. I think that this has all just been really eating him up and he hasn't quite found a way to make peace with it or integrate it into his life. So I'm hoping that the combination of the work that we're both doing is going to help him do that. reading with Billy. I'm feeling really good about today's session. I feel like I had a really wonderful meditation and I'm excited to get started. Hi, is this Billy? This is. Hi, this is Flair. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So have you ever had any kind of reading before? No. Never before. Okay. Fantastic. So I'll explain a little bit about how it works. Um, primarily, usually I work either over the phone or in person. And so I'm not going to be looking at you a lot, mostly because I, first of all, find it distracting. <laughs> okay. um, and I'm just not used to it. So I, I just don't. Um, so don't feel like I'm ignoring you or something, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or not making eye contact. And then the other thing is because of that, whenever I 
look at you, I almost have to come out of the space that I'm working in. Mm-hmm. So just remember to give me auditory feedback primarily yeah. yep. um, rather than anything visual because I'm not going to be looking. Got it. Um, okay. So the way that a reading works and kind of the theory behind it is I'm looking at those who've crossed with the concept and the theory that the soul, the consciousness, the life force continues to exist even without the physical body. And in my experience, the spirit holds a vibration that's very unique to an individual and it will feel um, like a radio station. It will feel like a vibration that I can tune into. All right. Each individual person for that reason comes in slightly different. It's a slightly different variable of vibration. And so each individual person, as I tune in, um, has that feel to me where I'm tuning into their individual radio station. And as I do that, I'll start to give you information. You'll hear me say, I'm seeing this right now. I feel this. I hear this. I know this. And all I need from you is just a auditory yes or no. So simply, okay. yes, it's factual. It makes sense to me or no, it doesn't. All right. Okay. Is there anything that you do not want to know? No. Open to anything. Open to everything. Okay, cool. So I'm really aware of a man standing in here on my left because he pushes in his energy quite strongly. Um, And this feels like father to you, so your biological father. Do you understand him to be crossed? Uh, Yes. And would you also see here with this man that I have a very extroverted personality, very strong personality, not a shy man by any nature. Do you see that? Correct. Big, big personality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, big. (laughs) If he walks into a room, there's just no missing him, you know? Correct. Um, And your mom is in the world. Do you see that? Because there's the acknowledgement of wanting to say hi to mom. Yes. And I actually see an incredibly close relationship that you would have with mom just on an emotional bonded level. Yes. And he's wanting to thank you for maintaining that relationship and i actually feel that before he crosses there's this promise made or a very much a recognition between the two of you that you will continue looking after mom i would say yeah it was unspoken but i would say it was known that that would be what would what would happen okay it feels to me with your father that you do have time to prepare for his passing because you shows me there's a lead up to this there's also the indication of cancer there's the feeling of we know he's going to pass you see that's correct It does feel like at the time that I'm not well, I don't enter the cancer battle, so to speak, um, feeling like it's hopeless. There's actually a lot of hope involved initially, and I do see treatments, and it does feel like there's a big war fought. Do you see that? Correct. And it feels to me that this, he's also recognizing actually periods of time within the treatment where I'm seeing this sense of we're beating it or elation around the fact that I think he's going to get better. Do you see? That's correct. Yes. And there is also then the feeling of it returning or remission. Do you see that as well? Correct. And I know that that is particularly difficult for the family because it feels like there's such a war waged initially that the second time around, it just feels... um, incredibly heavy because we've only just celebrated it. Like it just doesn't feel like the time period that I'm in remission or the time period that I'm, that I'm well, quote unquote, is very long. Do you see that? It's like back to back. Yes. 
Um, and I know that he's acknowledging that, that two-part journey for you. I would also recognize that I see you individually actually traveling a great deal to and from your father during this time. So there's the feeling of not living nearby, but I have to travel to go see him. Do you see that? Yes. He's also wanting to acknowledge for you that when the time comes for him to pass, you are able to take steps to be there as much as possible. Do you see that? Yes. I'm wanting to acknowledge that the exact moment that your father passes, I actually don't feel all the family to get to be with him. Do you understand that? That's correct. And he really wants to emphasize this back and forth for you because he wants you to know that you put in the time and the effort and really wanted to be there. And it's okay that that last moment didn't have that togetherness because in spirit, it looks like you're there. Yeah. Even though you're not physically there. And there's just the acknowledgement of needing you to know that he is not bothered by that in the slightest because the love was so evident. Okay. He's also acknowledging that in those last moments, it actually happens very quickly for him. So as he passes, I do very much see your mother nearby. So I don't feel that he was completely on his own. You see this? Correct. She was. And you'll have to ask her, maybe you know, but he places her on his left-hand side. I'll have to find out. Your dad's a super chatty man. You know, there's some guys that are super quiet and don't say much, but your dad is a talker. Do you see that? Yes. <laughs> and I would say like talks to just about anyone. Um, yes. In that you can't go to the grocery store without this man having created at least five different conversations, you know? Um, he still feels that way to me. So I know that there's the acknowledgement of wanting you to know that the minute he crosses over, he's off to make a bunch of new friends as well. Okay. And just wants you to know that he's certainly not on his own in, in any capacity. I would also say that his father feels to also be passed. Do you see? Yes. And that actually looks like a little bit of a fractured relationship in that it feels like he... And then where are, the, where are the three boys in connection to your dad? Is he one of three brothers? Um, he is an only child. He has three sons. I have two older brothers. Okay, that's what it is. The three boys are is, is your three boys. You see that? Yes. When I'm bringing my attention to your family lineage and when I'm seeing what looks like a grandfather step in, I'm also very aware that there's a name passed down from the grandparent level to the grandson level, so to speak. So there's this feeling of a senior junior. Yeah, my father, uh, my grandfather is the same name as me then. Okay, that's fine, yeah. Because it feels like as they talk about this lineage for you, you are specifically recognized in that the name gets passed down from grandfather to father and then to you. Yep. And I know that your grandfather is part of this reading for that reason as well as being connected to you. Obviously, your name is Billy. We know that. Mm -hmm. 
Going back to the family dynamic, your father is very aware that he gets to become a grandfather in his lifetime. So he sees grandkids come into the world before he crosses. Do you see that? Yes. And it also feels like a very important day-to-day experience for him in that there are grandkids that live, I think, closer by or would have been involved in such a way that he sees them very often, very frequently. Yes. And there is also the recognition of the congratulations of a new baby coming into the world after his passing. Yes. And one that he's wanting to acknowledge as not having seen with his physical eyes, but knowing of it from the spirit side. Yes. I also, in connection to you, need to make reference to a baby girl. Yes. And wanting to acknowledge that he's around her for you. Okay. Watching over, very involved. And I keep coming to this acknowledgement here that when I when I speak about the child that he doesn't get to see come into the world from the physical space, it, it does feel like a child also connected to you. Do you see that? Yes, yeah, it's my child. Yeah, it's your baby. Yes. And this need to really assert for you that he hasn't missed any of it. And that this is a really big moment, obviously, for you in your life. In part because it feels like you waited longer than the rest of your family did or your brothers or that there would be quite an age gap between the cousins. Yeah. And he's teasing you a little bit as if like they were all waiting for you to complete the family, you know? Mm-hmm. Really, as my attention goes to your daughter and from what he sees, there is the recognition still that she's still quite young herself. There's the feeling of watching over a baby, you know, and she brings me to about two. She's three. Um, Okay. Um, Because I'm seeing this like feeling of still a very young child and just wanting to acknowledge here for you that he's seeing, seeing the milestones And, um, yeah, she still just feels to me like she's not a young uh, kid yet, so to speak, right? She just looks like she's still got a lot of baby in her. (laughs) Yeah. So wanting to just say to you that he's watching her and seeing her grow. I keep seeing uh, all these images of jerseys in front of me. But they're also from different eras and different Mm -hmm. time periods. And it feels like it's a large collection in that regard, but they've also, it feels like been offered or given to people in the world that would still be wearing them. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know about that. He's not changing it for me. I keep seeing jerseys and they're being acknowledged as older jerseys. So a feeling of like a collection of older jerseys. I'll leave it with you. Okay. He's also with this younger female that feels to be your sister. So she's coming in here as well. Now, I would say that from a from middle age, doesn't look very old, but from middle age, I do see um, a really intense disease around her. Yes. And the feeling of battling it for a really long time. You yes. See that? Yes. I would also say that when she's first diagnosed, she knows she has many years still ahead of her, 
but there is the recognition of being given what feels to her from her perspective as a little bit of a deadline, almost like it's unlikely that she would live a full life. Correct. And paints a picture for me in which I see her in and out of hospital, in and out of doctors for years and years and years. Correct. Like it just feels like I'm constantly trying to just stabilize. Yep. Nonstop. And it also feels like it does lead to quite a bit of depression for her, but there is the recognition of putting on a really brave face to the world. So I do feel from your perspective, maybe that she would always be smiley and really warm hearted. It just, it feels to me like I have the personality of somebody who's a really big giver in the world. Like I, I give of my time and I give of my energy and really does try to make the best of it is my feeling. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, now, despite all these hardships around her, her health, it actually looks like she makes every effort to move forward in the life that she wants to create. So I do feel like there's partnership there. It does feel like she gets to build a family. Like there's very much the feeling of I move forward with partnership and marriage and feeling like I create the life I want. Do you see yes. that? Yes. I'm very proud of that. Yes. And it feels like she does all the, all of that with the knowledge that she won't live a normal life throughout it. Correct. And there's a lot of love and emphasis that goes towards her partner in the world, so to speak. And I do feel like he looks like he's still part of the family, very, very much so. Yes. And wanting to thank you also for keeping him included. Yes. Now, she acknowledges watching over children herself. You see that? Yes. And that, it's just her her pride and joy. And there is a feeling of these children being considerably older than yours. So it feels like she started on kids way before you did, you know? Yes. And she's also wanting to welcome you to parenthood, is my feeling. Because I don't think she gets to be a part of it for you in the world. You Correct. understand that? Yes. But I think that she wants you to know how amazing of a dad you are because you already got that experience in part with her kids. Do you see this? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so let's start with her and we can ask her some questions or anything you'd like to address. Um, I, so when she passed, I actually wasn't there. Everyone else had went there and was able to like kind of talk to her before she ended up going into a coma. And I, I wasn't. Um, so, um, yeah, I would just want to say, I, I love you and I, I'm sorry. And I, I miss you every day. And, um, yeah, that's what I would want to say. She's, she's perfectly aware of that. I do feel like the connection between the two of you is really, is really special. Um, the age difference between the two of you makes her feel very protective of you mm -hmm. and very motherly towards you. Okay. And because I do feel like she's older yeah. and the acknowledgement of when you come into the world, she's already, it looks like when you come into the world, she gets to take on some of the responsibility and she's pretty happy to do it. Okay. There is a really special bond there. And, and there's just the acknowledgement of wanting you to forgive yourself for it. Mm -hmm. I don't have any questions for her. I just love her. I miss her. Um, yeah. I wish she was here. I miss just her personality. I miss just talking to her and just 
just joking with her. She was is just a great person. I agree. Super fun. Okay, so let's move back towards your dad here and see if there's any questions for him. Um, I don't, again, the questions, I just, I don't have questions. I, I just miss him. I love him. I wish he was here. I wish that he can physically be here with with his granddaughter and just, um, oh, I wish I can just, you know, talk to him and just get advice on situations as they come. Um and just, um, I just miss him. He was, he was really just really special to me. And, um, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I love him. Um, I hope that I'm making him proud, even with, you know, the bad decisions I make or the faults I have. I hope that at the end of the day, I'm making him proud. Oh, I absolutely feel like you are. I agree the relationship is a really fantastic one between the two of you and it feels like he's incredibly proud of the dad you are. He's watching it unfold and it feels like you're doing an incredible job. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions for him? No, I mean, it it just... You said he was doing good. You said he was happy. Um, That's... That would be my questions. Um, and just that I love him and um, just, yeah, if if he's watching over me, just continue to and just try to guide me as best he can. Makes me feel like you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks for being part of this. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was It was great. just finished my reading with Billy. It's always an interesting challenge to do a reading for someone that you can tell doesn't believe in mediums. I have to remind myself that it's not about me, that it is not personal. And I was able to do that today. I really wanted Billy to have that communication with his dad and his sister, but ultimately I have to allow him to make up his own mind. I do hope he felt the connection and I personally felt like His dad and his sister did a really good job. Hi, Billy. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good. Thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. No problem. It was awesome. It was absolutely just like I had no expectations, especially about Fleur, the medium, and it was far, it exceeded just anything I could have thought it would have to be honest with you, I was very skeptical about mediums and all that nature beforehand. And she, the stuff that she was able to kind of come up with, um, I guess through actually speaking with my father and my sister was just amazing. Like stuff that I wouldn't have thought she would have even known, obviously able to come up with stuff. Wow. Really? That's incredible. Yeah. What was one of the most surprising things that came through? I think the, the part that really started to turn me on as far as, um, wow, she might really be speaking to to these people was when she was able to say like, yeah, I'm getting a connection from your dad. And then he's talking to his dad who they didn't have a great relationship and they didn't. And then he's saying that, but they're, they're saying that like your name is from your grandfather's name. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it is a hundred percent. Um, which was odd to me. Like we have the same exact name first, middle, last, whereas my dad has, um, 
the same first and last, but a different middle. And she's like, yeah, before I could say that, she's like, yeah, I'm just kidding. You and your grandfather are the same name. Exactly. Like you're almost like a, a second or something. And I'm like, yeah, I am actually hundred oh, percent. Wow. And I never met my grandfather and it's not something I ever talked about. I dad, my dad never talked about him and I never, I never knew him. So I never talked about him. So just, it's not something that you can kind of come up with without actually having that kind of information being given to you right at that moment. It really surprised me. I was, I wouldn't very skeptical and I've left, um, I guess a believer of it, to be honest with you. Wow. That's amazing. Now, when you spoke to Claire, uh, you talked a lot about how you weren't able to emotionally connect with your wife when her father passed. Correct. Has the session with Claire helped that at all since we've had a little bit of time between the two of these sessions? We've had some, we've talked about it. Um, the session with Claire definitely was harder. Um, I'm definitely talking over it with my wife and just trying to, um, get her to understand and, and help her understand, you know, where I come from and, and just how I kind of have closed myself off definitely and trying to open myself up a little more and, um, just, just everything. It, 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 it really, um, this has helped. And I would say though, just, I mean, maybe just cause it's so, so recent, but the session with Flutter was, was really eye opening. It was really amazing. I, I felt. That's so great. And then you have a daughter that you were really sad that your dad had never gotten the chance Correct. to meet. Was that something that came up in the reading? Yeah, that Fleur? came up in the reading. Um, it was really special just to have, have her say that, yeah, he, he understands that he's, he's watching her every, every moment. Um, and that he just, he's proud of me. And, um, that was really, that was really special. It was really cool. How about your sister? Yeah, my sister um, came up and that was, again, something that was, that was, that was special. That was just as far as being able to just talk to her and have her just acknowledge that, you know, I didn't have to be there at the, at the last moments of her life for her to know that I cared about her. And that, that, yeah, it means a lot. It does. And just, yeah, what you guys are doing, I think is awesome, to be honest with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. I did talk to Fleur uh, just a few minutes before we got the chance to connect. And she said something uh, that about jerseys kept coming up, but that there wasn't a real um, connection for you. Yeah. And um, oh, my yeah. And now that you say, it, I mean, we went to Cooperstown together, which was the Baseball Hall of Fame. And just literally seeing all the jerseys from all the generations of baseball. Um, yeah. So. Yep. There's another one that somehow, um, yeah, it just, it's incredible. Well, that's really awesome. And I really hope that, uh, this whole experience opened your world up a little and lets you breathe a little bit easier. Yeah, I think it will. I think it was, like I said, this was, this was amazing. This was such a, like, this call today was such a, like just a revelation for me. And it was really, oh, it was something I'll never forget. It was, it was, it was great. It really was. Well, thank you again for joining us. Is there anything else that you want to share? No, I just, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, it was it was truly my pleasure. I mean, it was just things that I was able to talk about and just, um, man, especially with Flair, just be able to to somehow talk to my to my father and my sister again was, was, was amazing. It really was. Wonderful. Well, thank you again and have a wonderful rest of your day. Moving Beyond is an original production produced by Elizabeth Mihalich and Fleur Lissink. 
You can find Claire Bidwell-Smith on her website at www.clairebidwellsmith.com, C-L-A-I-R-E-B-I-D-W-E-L-L-S-M-I-T-H.com, and Fleur at mediumfleur.com, M-E-D-I-U-M-F-L-E-U-R.com. If you're interested in being on a future episode of Moving Beyond, please send us an email to podcasts at mediumfleur.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at M-E-D-I-U-M-F-L-E-U-R.com. you'd like to take a moment, we would so appreciate it if you would rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. It helps others find the podcast so we can share healing with the world. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.